Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the In Search of More podcast. I am your host, Ellie Nash. Join me weekly on my quest for more, more from myself and more from this world. We'll see you on the other side. All right, welcome, Tamar. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm sitting here with Tamar Berkowitz, a, a healer. We'll say a somatic healer. Sure, yeah. <laughs> okay, you'll talk more about that uh, in a moment, but we shared a breathwork session several months ago you were in the group with uh mary Kay. Mm -hmm. so we have that in common and that we'll share yeah that was amazing it was <laughs> yeah i loved it yeah, yeah it's quite it was your first one you said yeah my first group breathwork yeah okay, cool what do you think i loved it it was i mean he's a phenomenal instructor i had a massive release and i love as a healer there's nothing i love more than witnessing other people's releases so being in that room with all that energy was incredible. Um, for me, after I had to, like, I definitely caught some other people's energies. I had to work it out a little bit of my body. It took me, like, a week. Mm. But that's also because... Of what you do. I Yeah, I absorb people's energies. I feel... I take on other people's emotions and feelings. So in that kind of setting, that's what usually happens. But still, it was amazing. You recommend it? Yeah, 100%. So can you explain a little better what you what you do. I don't feel I, I edified properly. Yeah. So, um, I'm an energy medicine practitioner. I feel like that's the best way to say it. I f always feel kind of weird calling myself a healer because I don't take credit for what I do. I feel more like I'm a channel, but, um, but what I do is, um, I do Reiki and I do inner child healing and somatic healing. And I practice what's called the somatic reparenting method which was created by Dr. Summer Nicole. And um, it's basically a trauma and polyvagal informed therapy. Polyvagal means? Polyvagal is, is, um, was founded by Dr. Stephen Porges. And it's basically all about nervous system work. Um, it's all about the vagus nerve, which is one, it's the largest branch of the entire um, nervous system. And it basically talks about how we socially relate to other people. And it also teaches the idea that when we are in, um, say, a down-regulated state, when we're in freeze mode, we have to go bring ourselves into an up-regulated state, into the sympathetic state, in order to get back into the balance of a regulated nervous system. So the somatic reparenting method, we use a combination of um, somatic movement, breath work, visualization, and meditation to achieve this. And I actually 
always tell people who have done plant medicine, it's kind of like a mini plant medicine journey because it takes you straight into a part of the subconscious mind that you otherwise would never be able to access. And um, the most incredible things come out and the most profound, beautiful healing. Sounds cool. Yeah, it's amazing. Can, can you say more about it? Like what it... Uh... What does it look like, meaning a plant medicine journey looks like eating some mushrooms or maybe eating some chocolates mixed with mushrooms? Right. What is, And then lying there blindfolded and waiting for um, something to happen. What does somatic so, reparenting look like? So it looks like first, you know, in a session, we'll have first the intake, you know, get whatever's going on in the person's life. And then um, we'll do, depending on where they're at at that moment, we'll do specific somatic movements together to help um, release energy and just get into like a more regulated state. What and does a somatic movement mean? Somatic movements are different types of exercises that are specific to um, dispelling energy out of your body. So a lot of them look like regular exercises. Even yoga is a form of somatic movement. Dance is a form of somatic movement. Um, so I... When I'm doing sessions, we just do, you know, two or three or four different movements that are like two to three minutes each. Um, and it's based off where I see the client is at to help them dispel whatever they need to dispel. So then they're regulated. And then I guide them through meditation. And in the meditation, we are first, um, we're first kind of helping the client come back into their body, feeling safety in their body. Um, and you're typically working one on one. I, so yeah, I do both group sessions and one-on-one. -on -one. Um, I'm going to hopefully start a group container soon. I haven't decided when yet. Um, but I do love group healing containers, which I'll talk about that a little bit too. I was but, just trying to visualize it. I mean, you were talking about the meditation, but right. it helps me to visualize it. When okay, I hear that's you. where that question yeah. came from. And it's different in that in the one-on-one -on -one sessions, it's much more customized because I'll have the person explain to me what they're experiencing and then I'm able to, um, kind of custom guide them through the specific thing they're experiencing. Whereas in a group session, they're kind of doing it more on their own, which they can still do. Um, but it depends where the person's at, what they're interested in. So, you know, in the meditation, settle them back into their body and make them feel super, super grounded. And then we use um, a specific emotion. So say the emotion, or say we're working on a pattern, right? Because we all have these set patterns that, you know, whether it's feeling unworthy or unlovable or like all these different things that we get from our childhood that are these set patterns in our subconscious mind, we go into the emotion of it. So they have the safety in their body to sit with the emotion. They, we allow them to feel this emotion throughout their whole body. And then I guide them to somatically locate in their body. Where do they feel a sensation? And this is all nervous system healing. And this is all key to healing really any trauma because the key to coming to healing trauma is coming back into our body and feeling safe in the body. So when we do this through connecting the somatic feeling in the body with the emotion, we're able to sit with it. Um, then we're able to work through it. So then we do that a number of different ways. One way is we'll use the imagination to see what picture comes up and then we kind of have a conversation with this picture. And this is, when I say it's like a plant medicine journey, this is the part that it's like that because it's bringing you into a very deep part of your subconscious mind that you're now able to like really look at and process whereas otherwise you're not really able to do that. Um, <clears throat> 
And then we go from there into an inner child um, healing session. So once, you know, they have this, this feeling in their body, they're able to pinpoint the youngest age they felt this feeling and we go visit that child. And, um, and then I'm able to guide them in the conversation. And most of the time, with people I've never done inner child healing work, most of the time at first your inner child wants nothing to do with you and they ignore you and it's very emotional, very hard and very scary for many people um, because essentially we abandoned our inner child throughout our whole life because we're just in survival mode. We're just trying mm -hmm. to survive and live. So the inner child feels abandoned and we have to make that inner child feel comfortable, feel seen, develop this relationship of trust um, so that we're able to co-regulate with our inner child, which then regulates our own nervous system. And typically when you're working with a client, it's kind of a one and done or consistently no. working with the same client? Yeah. So usually people want more. They're not done with one session. I mean, when you do one session, you're going to one point in time and every session looks totally different. Sometimes people will come out like totally euphoric. They have this amazing experience. Sometimes it brings up a lot of pain and then they're really processing this pain for a long time and integrating these changes. Because the other thing that's happening with this meditation is we're reprogramming the subconscious mind, um, which, I mean, there is more work to be done with that because the only way that works is through repetition. Um, and remind me what your original question was because I just lost my train of thought. If it's one, if it's... People are coming oh, right. for one session or multiple. Right. So, yeah. So I was saying how all the sessions can look totally different. Um, but it really opens up this. People see how what you can access and what you're able to heal and how profound it is. And they generally want more. And so the way I generally do it with people is I use the the chakra system as a map to the body and we go chakra by chakra, starting with the lowest one, because if there is a blockage, say in your lowest chakra, everything else is blocked. So we go from the bottom up and there are specific different patterns that the energy of those lives in specific chakras because there's different energies with each chakra. So we'll go into the different kinds of emotions that, um, their feeling pertaining to this specific chakra and then we'll go into that so we're clearing that energy center and so each session we'll move our way up and sometimes if something comes up that they're just you know thinking about this one thing they're going through and so we'll just forget the chakra thing today and we'll just focus on that and we'll take you where you need to go how did you get into this work so it's a long story hey, um it's good we have a long time yeah <laughs> So I actually used to be a hairstylist and makeup artist years ago. Um, never, ever knew that I was born to be a healer. Never saw that coming ever. <laughs> um, but when I started having kids, I started getting progressively more and more sick. I started um, developing different autoimmune diseases. And I mean, throughout my whole life, I have a lot of childhood trauma. So I have had... Um, I had eczema my whole life, ADHD and clinical depression and anxiety that came with that my whole life. But once I started having kids, um, I started developing extreme vestibular migraines, like a chronic vestibular migraine condition, which left me completely debilitated the majority of the week. There was like maybe one day a week I was actually functioning. Was it during pregnancy or after childbirth? 
after childbirth. Generally, it's a beautiful thing when women are pregnant. We like these symptoms kind of go away because our bodies are so loose from the elastin in our bodies. Everything loosens up because the source of all this stuff is inflammation and tension. So we don't really hold much tension when we're pregnant because we physically can't. So because of that, generally women who normally get migraines or things like that don't get them when they're pregnant, which is like such a blessing. (laughs) Um, But yeah, each kid I had, um, it got worse. And then by my third, I have four children, by my third child, um, I then developed endometriosis. Which is? Um, That is a disease in the womb, which is basically you have growths that occur outside the uterus, which are extremely painful. Um, So like, I think I'd only experienced one flare up from that, but like the experience of an endometriosis flare up is like active labor with no breaks between contractions and you're just stuck in this pain for hours. Um, So, which honestly is not so different from having the migraines I had (laughs) because they would last anywhere between 12 to 36 hours where I'm literally just isolated, stuck in pain. Um, And, um, So anyways, when in January 2021, actually, let me backtrack a little bit. So yeah, no, this was uh, January 2021. um, I had flare-ups of all these things at once. I had my chronic migraines, the endometriosis, eczema, TMJ. I have TMJ also, temporomandibular joint disorder. Um, They all flared up at once. And also extreme chronic pain comes with these things throughout like most of my body. Um, And that was like my moment where I was brought to my knees, where I just fully surrendered to God. Like at that point I had learned a few things about the mind-body connection. I had like basic awareness of natural healing. um, And I had gone to doctors for this and they all told me you could get surgeries, you could get medications, but it doesn't heal anything. And this is a life sentence and you're gonna suffer and there's no answer. And I would not accept that. Um, So I just fully surrendered to God and I said, you are my healer and I know you're capable of miracles and you have to heal me because if you don't, I'm going to die. It was that point of either dying or changing, you know? So um, my husband bought me like a ton of books on nutrition and healing. And I just started studying like crazy. And we slowly started changing our entire lifestyle, changed the way we ate throughout every toxic chemical in my home, totally changed our entire lifestyles. I also, I didn't even realize I was doing these things. That's part of quantum biology, which is really just, it's like supporting your circadian rhythm. Things like grounding, putting your bare feet in the in nature, in the grass or in the sand, and waking up with the sun, allowing the sun to touch your eyeballs and your skin in the morning, um, eating things that are in season, you know, eating a certain way. These are things you were doing these are things I was doing with that. I didn't realize that these are really keys to healing like intense autoimmune issues um, because you'll only figure this stuff out once you go down the rabbit hole. It's not, <laughs> it's not publicized, although thank God it is starting to become more mainstream. Um, but I was just so rigid because I was so adamant in changing my life to heal that I started waking up at 5 a.m. and I had my whole routine of like, um, making my herbal concoctions and meditating and and being in the sun and going and grounding, exercise, movement, whatever it was. 
Um, and I slowly started to heal. And not only did I totally heal, but I became healthier than I've ever been in my entire life, like more vibrant, more energy than I had when I was a child in my 30s. Um, and it was amazing. And it ended up leaving, leading me to mindset work and learning about healing through divine feminine and masculine energy dynamics. And it led me on this whole path of like so many different healing modalities. Um, and then just in the last year, my whole healing journey took like a crazy turn because at this point I'm studying and I'm learning about how the root cause of all disease really is emotions. And that's like, people don't, that's very triggering for people to hear. It doesn't make sense to a lot of people. Um, but when we come down to the root, root of what's going on, like, yes, there are environmental factors and all these things, but what is creating the environment in our body that can harbor this disease? You know, because sometimes like you have people living in a household with mold, one person gets horribly sick and the other person doesn't. What is that? That's our internal environment, which is, um, which is based off our emotions. Our emotions are what create that. Our nervous system is what creates it. So, um, and I, I had read so many case studies. I learned so much. I know for a fact now that the root cause of disease is emotions. And I realized that. You say that's very triggering for people. Why? What kind of? Because they are like, how can you say that? How can you say that I have cancer or any of these horrible diseases that is their own, like it's their fault. They take it as they're being blamed. Oh, being blamed. Yeah. Okay. And it's not because it's not your fault that you have set patterns in your subconscious system and you operate and process emotions a certain way. That's based off the first seven years of life. Um, whatever your caregivers modeled for you and however you were treated, that's what develops our internal kind of emotional system and our nervous system, how it reacts to things. Um, so I started thinking about, you know, where I was at physically because I'm healed technically, but really these diseases are still in my body, but they're just laying dormant because if I eat certain things or if I do certain things, I can trigger a flare up. And I knew that specific, I was thinking specifically about my endometriosis because at this time I was pregnant with my fourth child. And this is after my whole holistic journey. So I was planning on having a natural home birth. All my other kids were in hospitals with epidurals. So this was new. And this was like me facing my greatest fear of pain of childbirth because before I was the type of person that was like, have the epidural waiting for me at the hospital. And, um, and so I'm thinking, I have endometriosis. It's dormant, but how is that going to affect my childbirth? And I had also learned so much about ancestral healing. And I was thinking about how I know there's a trauma that put the endometriosis there and I can't pass it on to my kids anymore. Like I, I can see being so in tune with energies, how my other kids, you know, can like carry energies from my trauma. And I'm like, this kid is just cannot be born with this. And so I decided to face my biggest, deepest, darkest trauma that I actively repressed my entire life, which was um, when I was four years old, I was sexually abused by my grandfather. Mm. And I, the only, I actually fully repressed, I had no memory of this. And the reason I found out is because when I was 16, I had a 
consensual experience that triggered the, not mm-hmm. a visual memory, but a physical knowing, physical memory. And for my immediate reaction was, wow, because I had learned that people can repress these memories and that's very common. You learned at 16 you knew that? I Yeah, I had already learned okay. that. Um, I've always been a reader and a researcher and all these things. I was always very interested in psychology. Um, so I had learned that that's a thing that is very common, that people repress the memory of those kinds of things happening. So my immediate reaction was, cool, I don't have to deal with this. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't remember, like, thank God. And I was terrified of flashbacks ever coming up. So What's I re- your immediate reaction after what? After realizing, after having this body memory that something had happened to me. So you felt like it was gone? Yeah, I felt like I don't have to deal with this because I don't remember. Like, I don't have a visual memory. I was grateful that I did not have this visual memory. So I felt like I don't have to deal with this in oh, my I life. Got it. Not knowing that the energy of all of our experiences lives in our bodies and the only way to sustainably heal anything is to remove the energy out of your body. Um, so, um, sorry, lost my train of thought again. You were talking about um, having to face your deepest, darkest trauma and that was being sexually abused by a yeah. grandfather at four years old. Right. Okay. You realize right. My that immediate reaction. Avoid... Right. I'm thinking yeah. that I don't have to deal with this. So I go on living my life terrified of flashbacks ever coming up. And at like any time of I would like think about it, like, oh, maybe this happened to me. I would just like repress, don't think about it. Um, but now I was I'm just I became such like a so committed to my healing and like I said, all these other all these other motivations of I don't want my kids to carry this trauma and like this has to end with me. Um, so I decided to face it. And I realized also like the energy of me having the courage to face my pain of childbirth and like there's no turning back at my house. I got to just do it. It was the same energy of like facing this terrifying pain of going into this memory. At this point, I didn't remember. I didn't know who it was. I didn't know when. I didn't know. Like I just knew something happened to me. So um this was when, this was about two months before my baby was born. So I called my good friend, um, who is a super, super gifted energy healer, energy reader. Um, and she did a session with me and she pretty much brought me into the memory. And she herself, it's really incredible what she does. She herself is able to visually see what's what's happening. Um, And so I found out what it was and it actually validated every issue I've had in my entire life. It made my whole life make so much sense, including even my relationship with my grandfather. I always had this unexplainable disgust and hatred towards him and I never knew why. Um, And, and so yeah, so... Is he still alive? Have you spoken about it with he's him? He's still alive. I've never spoken about it with him. I just visited this a year ago. Um, I don't know that I care to talk to him about it. I don't think I do. I mean, if he ever came to me, I would definitely not hold back, but uh, I don't feel the need to go to him. For me, the this the biggest part of this healing was being able to even talk about it at all with my own family members, and that was like a whole... Thing, like each person one at a time going 
to them and talk and, and none of them about confronted it. him about it um no i mean we have very interesting family dynamic he's kind of he's a right. weird guy <laughs> not such a surprise he uh i don't know he like lives in an old age home and doesn't really communicate much with people other than my father my father has a very close relationship with him so that was um for me telling my father was like risking my relationship with him which took us years to cultivate a beautiful relationship because we had a horrible relationship when I was younger um so that was a wild healing thing which we can get to but um did that go well when you shared it with your father it went amazing better than I could have expected. And it was a plant medicine journey that brought me to the realization that I had to tell him. And it was like a whole wild, mystical, <laughs> crazy experience. Um, but um, hold on. I, I need you to bring me back for a minute before that. You were talking about preparing for your fourth birth, the natural birth, and having to deal with the sexual abuse right so i faced this yeah and facing one was facing the other Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um yeah okay i mean yeah we can go into um yeah the healing of being able oh yeah so when i found out when when i had this session um i had actually just a few days before had my first introductory class to this somatic reparenting method facilitator training where before I signed up, it was like the Dr. Summer Nicole was, gave us like a two hour class just talking about what it was and then like selling us the program if we wanted to join. And she had mentioned about in her, her own trauma when she was going through a trauma, she would, she went to the beach and she just went under the water and screamed her head off until she was exhausted. And when I'm having this session, I was at South Point Park in Miami and I'm like realizing, I was sitting on the rocks, I'm like, beaches right here. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I went and this was like my first like real intense somatic experience that I just I marched right into the water. And it was amazing because like the energy of the waves were matching my energy. It was like they were like smacking me and I'm like fighting through them. And I just embodied my four year old little girl and I dunked under the water and I just let her scream her head off because I was frozen when it happened and I couldn't scream and I couldn't do anything. And I just allowed her to just release and do that. And then, and then, I mean, this just started this wild year, past year now, journey of incredible, incredible healing. And I was so blessed that I had this somatic reparenting facilitator training throughout. It actually started, um, we had our first like introductory session gave birth three days later. And then like we had our first session. So I was like, my baby was with me through the whole thing with all the meditations and all the healing because the whole first half of the facilitator training is she's doing it to us. So we get to experience it. So I had that supporting my whole healing. I had this group of people, which is one of one of my, my first experience of group healing and how valuable the container of group healing is of being witnessed and being held because one of the things of You're referring to the group that was also training to be a facilitator. Yes, exactly. We're a group of eight or so people. Um, one of the most important things about healing trauma is we have to heal in co-regulation with other people because 
our trauma happens in relationships. So we also have, there's an, there's an aspect of the healing that has to happen in relationships. We're hurt through people. we got to heal through people. Exactly. Got it. So, so having a group container, which is also why I really want to do what I do in a group session, um, is so people have that they have other people to witness them and to hold them in zero judgment and they get that co-regulation. And I actually ended up in May doing my first plant medicine journey, which was, I was invited to this group of 15 other Jewish women who were doing it. Um, I had no idea what to expect, but that experience of healing in the group with the other women, it gave me the most incredible co-regulation tools that I never even realized I needed. For example, with this trauma, um, you know, I have the most amazing mother in the world. I never would suspect that I had anything to even heal with her because she was an incredible mother. But because of that one trauma, there was one moment in time I wasn't protected. And that said, that caused me to have a mother wound that I needed to heal, which I was totally unaware of because she's amazing. So being in this group of women, having them act like a mother to me and like hold me and just pet me like as if I'm a little girl and telling me over and over you're so innocent never should have happened to you all these beautiful things that literally was just the co-regulation I needed that brought me to such a place of wholeness um and it really helped me in my quest to try and forgive my abuser and the only reason I'm on that quest is because I've experienced in my relationship with my father a miracle of when I was able to forgive him for the things that we went through when I was a child, which was on my own. I never had a conversation with him about it. I needed to do it to free myself. He just like automatically changed and became this most present, amazing doting father out of nowhere and as I, soon as you as soon as i forgave him on my own no conversation with him so god showed me this wild wild miracle and i got to see firsthand how when we heal it heals our entire family really um how the energy just affects everybody around you and so i and i also gained my freedom so to me i'm like the only way I'm going to be free from this is for me to be able to forgive him in some way. Um, him being your grandfather. Yeah, exactly. So I actually did get to a level of forgiveness with him when I did a, I did a cord cutting um, which is? session, which is an energetic session, an energy session where you, um, and I was guided again by my friend Faye, who's she's amazing. Um, you basically, you imagine the person and you feel into your body where you feel like a sensation and that is where there is what you can picture as like an umbilical cord or some kind of cord attached to you and attached to the person. And then you're guided in this meditation of this whole process of cutting the cord, pulling it out, and then you're, and then destroying the cord. And then you're left with like this gaping hole that you have to now fill up with like divine love and light. And I didn't go into that session intending to forgive him in any way. It ended up naturally just happening, which was wild. Um, 
But again, there were still many layers. That was before my plant medicine journey. So I was still dealing with so much anger and rage and betrayal and all the things. And the plant medicine journey was able to show me what parts of it I was holding on to that were actually mine and what are others. Like I was angry for other people too because I felt the responsibility to protect my family from this information. At first I thought I would never tell anybody, keeping this to myself, because I felt that responsibility to protect them, which is not my responsibility. That was a decision made as a four-year-old or as a teenager? No, no, now in the past year. Oh, you Because I haven't even looked at this until a year ago. Understood. Um, no, but the decision to protect your family from the information. Yeah, that happened. That was a recent decision. Yeah, when I found out, when I first found out, I thought I would never tell anyone. It wasn't also a decision you made as a child. No, I didn't remember as a child. I figured out when I was 16, something happened to me. And then I was like, cool, don't have to think about that. Don't know what it was. Don't know who it was. I just know that something happened. Um, And that was really interesting, too, because then once I went through it, like once I faced it, I then had to go through the process of like becoming like a victim because I, I'm someone that I can't, like I am for myself anti-victim mentality. I like, I have no patience for that. I'm, that's not me. Of course, I have all the patience in the world for other people who are still stuck in that and I help them come out of it. But for myself, I will never be a victim of anything. Um, but I, and I couldn't connect that to it. That's going to be a dangerous place to be also. Yeah, exactly. And this is how I learned this lesson because um, I couldn't I couldn't heal because I couldn't drop in to like what actually happened to me. Because also as someone who's like experienced with inner child healing, I'm like looking at it like this happened to you, little four-year-old Tamar. This didn't happen <laughs> to me. I'm coming in now as your mother to reparent you and be there for you and heal you. But that happened to you. I couldn't like really take that in that this is something that happened to me. So I, through all the different, I did so many, I bought this uh, workbook called this, the Healing Sexual Trauma Workbook, which has a lot of amazing, amazing tools. And that's where I learned like everything about specifically sexual trauma and how to work through it and how it affects you and everything. Um, so I learned, I, I had to allow myself to become the victim and become this four-year-old girl who this happened to and go through the motions of everything that, that a a survivor goes through in order to then become the survivor. Like I couldn't just go straight to being the survivor. I had to go through the, um, the betrayal, the grief, the mourning, everything, you know? Um, have you heard of the, um, it's called the you theory in healing that, you know, so we're, we're often on, you know, one part of the you, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of, let's say the left top portion of it. And we want to get to the other side. It's like, okay, we're here. And how do we get there? And the way through it is to go down the you and then come out mm-hmm. the other side, meaning to go down to those parts of us, those experiences that have caused us tremendous pain. And then we can pop up on the other side, but we don't get to, Make a line across the top of you. 100%. Yeah. And it's funny because that's literally, that's like what I tell everybody all the time. I'm like, your freedom is in your pain. Like you got to go into the pain to heal. It's the only way you got to feel to heal. But I, I didn't know how to, you know, because it was just, I'm so one way of like being this non-victim. 
And, um, and it, it took a lot for me to understand that. And then to finally like allow myself to go through that and like step into this, you know, I allow myself to step into like this depression because I had to go through that too, to heal it. Um, and as time went on, I realized there got to a point where I couldn't hold it anymore about myself. And I'm like, I have to tell somebody because it was just the pressure of it was literally taking over my life and I couldn't function. Um, and so the first person I told was my sister because in my mind, I'm like, I can't tell my mom. She's because I can't put that on her that she's going to feel so guilty that she didn't protect me, that she messed. I didn't want her to experience that feeling. <sighs> the need to protect our loved mm -hmm. ones. And so I told my sister and she gave me, and this was months later, she gave me the most validating response you could ever get, which again was such a testament to how people feel our energies. She said, it's almost like I knew exactly what you were going to say before you even said it. And I mean, it just hit me. I'm like, oh my God, you've been carrying like the energy of this which like I know these things I know about ancestral trauma I know about how how energy works you know but just to have that response and then I ended up telling my mom a few months after that because I also went through this process of just knowing wholeheartedly that I went through this in order to help other people and that I have to share my story because even in the small ways I have it was like the impact I saw it have on people, it was just very clear to me. I'm like, God, and, makes, and to me also, it's like there's purpose in it. Why did this happen to me? It's, you know, very much like what you do. It's like you use it to help other people heal and see that healing is possible and all these different ways they can do it. And um, so I had the courage to tell my mom and she had the same response as my sister, which was unbelievable and I'm beyond grateful because I have so many friends who have gone through the same and were totally rejected by their families which I can't even imagine and those those are the people I'm the most inspired by because they're so committed to their healing and they just plow through even though they're not getting the support like I can't I, I mean I know I'd be able to do it regardless but it's I mean that's just so hard so I'm so blessed that I have that support and, um, and then, yeah, just a few weeks ago, um, I did my second plant medicine journey. Before we go there. Sure. You had a fourth child in between. Yeah. Yeah. So I had my daughter before I started telling people. Right. So when you had your daughter. Yeah. What was the physical experience afterwards? Because with each one of your first three children. Oh, yeah. There were progressively worse symptoms. Then you went on this healing journey. Yeah. So what happened after that? I mean, it was incredible. Not only, so also all my other pregnancies were extremely difficult, difficult recovery, bad postpartum depression with each kid. Her, I mean, I birthed her with no medication, like a queen. It's, I'm like, I'm so proud of myself because <laughs> that was the, one of the hardest things I've ever done. And I had no postpartum depression after and I mean, it's been an amazing year, which I think also... And the physical symptoms as well. Yeah. The migraines. The... So I still, um, I did start to get a little bit of migraines still, but I also 
Also, the frequency is nothing compared to what it used to be. The pain of it is nothing what it used to be. Where I used to be totally like no one could even open the door to check on me because the noise of a door creak would make me just throw up. I now can like function and go food shopping and drive my kids to school while I have a migraine. And like it's difficult and I have to wear glasses and like I have to do lots of things. And I do still like kind of just throw up between my tasks because that's just part of it. Um, but it's nothing compared to what it used to be. And also from my, my first plant, plant medicine journey showed me energetically what my migraine actually was. Um, and with that knowledge, I was now able, I'm now able to take different steps to heal them. So what I was able to see was that the pain of what I experienced with my grandfather and also my father growing up just with our terrible relationship, the energy of that was living in my back. And when I had, when I was, you know, as a child, when I had this relationship with my father, I, my body became used to having my heart broken literally all the time. And because this creates a physiological response in the body we release these hormones and then our cells literally become addicted to like this hit of emotional hormone. Um, the pain. Like a drug. Um, no, it's not, not the specific pain, but the emotion, you know? It's like the way that when people, if someone is like complaining about their mother-in-law, for example, they have a terrible relationship with them and then they're always, they always just have to talk about it and have to complain about yeah. it, but there's like no resolve. It's because your body is physically addicted to the chemical hit of that hormone release. When because, you talk about it, yeah. when you work yourself up over it. Right, because your cells literally start to become dependent on this hormone. Like they think they need it to survive. So, um, so I became, and so what happens is when our body now is not receiving that from the external environment, because I was receiving that from my dad. And then I, you know, as I got older, I didn't have to have a relationship with him anymore. And then later we healed. Um, I'm not receiving this heartbreak anymore from my external environment, but my body needs this. So my body now starts to create the same experience in its internal environment. So the physical pain is like the manifestation of the emotional pain. And that's what the migraine was. And then the vomiting, because I do a lot of that with a migraine, is literally the nausea of what I experienced with my grandfather and my body constantly trying to purge it, right? Wow. Like that's what happens on medicine journeys. We purge, um, we purge the energy. And so my body was trying to do that all the time. And so now with that understanding and now also having so much knowledge of somatic exercise, um, I'm able to right away when I start getting a migraine know exactly what I need to do physically to help remove the energy of this pain from my body. And it takes tons of different somatic exercises excuse me, and breath work, you know, like lion's breath, for example, is such a great breath to lion's breath is purge energy. It's when you make a face like a lion, you take a big inhale and you <sighs> like that <laughs> tongue out, like, like you're feeling all that shit come out, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so 
now I'm able to move through them. And also throughout this whole somatic reparenting facilitator training, um, we were also trained in Reiki because we do Reiki for like to support the process when someone is they're go they're visiting like a very deep emotional thing. A lot of times they really do need that energetic support. Um, and I'm also able to kind of help them because I'm able to feel what they're feeling and tell them, you know, from my point of view, what's going on. And it just, it helps move them along. But when we were trained in that, um, I was shown that I have this natural, incredible ability that I've had my whole life that I never realized what it was, uh, I, that I'm able to move energy around. I mean, all of us can do it, but my whole life I have always physically felt it. I never knew what it was. I used to think like, why do I feel things and other, oh, no one else feels them? Like, I don't see anything, but I feel things here. Um, and I could also feel like, you know, presence of beings and things like that. And I just, my only reference as a child was horror movies. So I was just scared. I didn't know what it was. And I tried like shoving it down, but now I learned about what that all is the proper way. So, um, so having this knowledge of Reiki and energy and how it moves and how it works and how to extract it and all these things, um, it just, it made the whole healing process so much easier that now whenever these things come up, I'm able to just really handle it right away. And because I understand what it is and I can be intentional with like releasing this specific pain when these things come up, um, it actually releases sustainably. So then it's like the next migraine I get is still nothing compared to the last one. Right. Is there a way to move those through completely? What do you mean? So you're saying you have that energy, right? That builds up that you need to, that builds up into a migraine into mm -hmm. vomiting and then you're doing different things to get rid of it mm -hmm. but then it'll come back again less right less intense is there a way to get rid of it completely yeah so it really comes down to our own awareness and our own nervous system healing the nervous system runs the show with everything and that's because we only certain types of people get a migraine. It's because we process emotions in a very specific way. And the characteristics are that we like pressure cook our emotions in our body. And we like get hot and flustered and frustrated and our heads feel squeezed when we're stressed. Those are the types of people that get migraines because energetically, like inside your body, you are cooking this in your head and then it's like a pressure cooker and it just, you know, so the key to real sustainable healing is having the awareness that of how your body is reacting to things. And then you're able to use these different tools within nervous system healing to regulate. And then you can end up preventing it. So now I can catch myself when I start to feel stress and I start to feel that, that buildup of energy in my body, I can catch it right away. And I know that I have to start doing things to bring it down and monitor and like it was funny when I first learned this stuff I used to say all the time like I'm not a pressure cooker <laughs> you know and just like <sighs> release it like in that breath because it feels like you're releasing steam you know um and and yeah so that's the key to sustainable healing for literally everything is the nervous system work is regulating the nervous system because it's the activation of our nervous system that creates the 
internal environment to, so to speak, cook up whatever different kind of diseases could end up cooking up. People who are resistant to this idea that emotions connect to um, disease, mm-hmm. what, do you, what do you tell them? So I tell them that it's not so black and white, that, you know, first of all, usually the thing that comes with that is they're like, how can you say that? I could just do this and I'll be fine. I have this problem and that problem, mm-hmm. that problem. And I'm, to that I say, yes, you have to take care of the physical side as well because it has affected you physically. So that needs to be addressed. Just like in my case, I had to address everything physically in order to heal. Um, And the beautiful thing about that is because everything is energy. Once you open yourself up to healing in that way, like different things will just end up coming to you and you'll be led to like the next and the next and the next, which is what happened to me. But, um, but you have to address the physical and when you address the physical that can heal you on the physical level, but then you can always just get these things again. So until you resolve the emotions that live in your body, that's never going to go away. And people need to understand also, the way I also explain it is just everything is energy. And a lot of people don't understand that. But I mean, it's, it's physics, like literally it's science, you know, and it's just is what it is. And once you, you can look it up, you can look into it so you can gain a deeper understanding of how it all works. But everything is made out of energy. Energy cannot be destroyed. And it gets trapped in our bodies, in our fascia. So the only way to clear that energy of that emotion, of that experience, is to do it somatically and by being with it, sitting with the pain. You say you can look it up. If someone wanted to look it up, where would they go? Um, I would say look up quantum physics. You know what? I can give you specific doctors who I have learned so much from. My two favorites are Dr. Joe Dispenza, and Dr. Bruce Lipton. Dr. Bruce Lipton teaches epigenetics, which is the science of how we're not um, we're not slaves to our genes. People think, oh, my this this disease is in my family. It's genetic. I could get it, except that you could heal your genes on a physiological level, and then it's not getting passed down anymore. So we are not slaves to our genes, and we can heal anything. And the mainstream medical model, which is based off of Newtonian physics, says the opposite, that you are a slave to your genes. There's nothing you can do. Um, so, But the science is out there, and I, there's tons and tons of case studies, which is what gave me the confidence to go through with all this stuff. I'm like, I see this stuff is real. There's no denying that it's real when you read these books and you read these case studies. And I had nothing to lose by trying these things, and right. now I'm a case study, too. Right. It's, <laughs> Thank God. It's worked. Yeah, there's nothing um there's nothing like experience. Exactly. Yeah. What sort of um clients do you work with? What are their presenting issues? Um so so far it's um it's really just women that are on already on the healing path and are looking to get So it's only deep. women. So far, I have worked with a couple men, um, and I'm figuring out how I want to structure that. I'll probably, I will probably eventually open up a men's group for the somatic reparenting method. 
Um, but I'm going to start off with women because that's my comfort zone. And I would just want to um, stay not even within my comfort zone, but within my expertise. You know, I feel like I have more to learn about men still before I can like fully help men, even though I've been able to, thank God, which was wonderful, but definitely not to the same level that I can help women just because of my own knowledge. Your own experiences. Exactly. And uh, in terms of the issues they're presenting with the women who are coming Yeah, to. so, I mean, I, nothing too specific. It's mostly just women that have different kinds of trauma, like any different type of trauma, all different childhood stuff that um, that they're ready to work through because it's – it's the type of person that he'll that hears about this work and they're like, yeah, I'm ready for that, you know? So it's just where they're at. They're not necessarily presenting any specific type of physical anything. I mean, almost always they do have some sort of physical manifestation of their, of their trauma, but it's, I mean, it's a whole range of everything, literally. Yeah, I've, uh, I've had plant medicine experiences where I've gone into three plant medicine experiences, not feeling well physically. Mm. And in each one of them, I came out, I came out better and it explained to me what I was dealing with. And what explained to you? Ex I understood what I right. was dealing with. Right. Yeah. Right. And one, I had a cough that I could not get rid of. It was mono and it was kind of like the end of it. And just, it just wouldn't stop mm -hmm. for three, four weeks. So it was very bad for two, three weeks. And then for three, four weeks, just exhausted. And this cough that wouldn't, stop. And I tried a number of different medications. And eventually I said, maybe I'll just try ayahuasca. You know, it was kind of this weird place to be, which is not sick enough not to do anything, but too sick to properly work right. and properly do what I needed. And then this cough that just sat with it. And um, during the experience, there was someone in particular who was frustrating me. And every time I thought about the situation connected to him and uh, what was going on there. Uh, I normally gladly share, but because it's someone else's story, mm -hmm. you know, someone else, I won't bring that in. But um, every time I thought about him or the situation, I could not stop coughing, could not mm -hmm. stop coughing. And then it was, the, I felt the medicine showing me, okay, this is, it's this emotion, the emotion of judgment and anger attached to this situation and this person, that is what's causing the, Sickness, and by the time, by the time I the journey was over, I had no cough, and I've had wow. other experiences as well. Terrible headaches going into experiences, and also good understanding of what was going on, right? Things like that. So, yeah, it is uh, fascinating. A lot of people are big fans of Gabor Mate. He's probably less known for um, his work uh, when the body says no. Do you know it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. When the body says no. So, uh, that he's he talks about in in that book that. He did get a lot of criticism for it, meaning a lot of people love Gabor because his ideas are very easy to listen to. Mm -hmm. That when when we hear how understanding and compassionate he is of addiction, it's so it's like a warm blanket mm -hmm. around us. It's like, oh, here's yeah. someone who's not placing judgment and you know harshness. But his lesser known book, so his whole addiction ideas were expressed in in the realm of hungry ghosts. And that's kind of, I don't know, one of those that ex exploded. But he had his books on many subjects, ADD and parenting. Mm -hmm. And one of them is When the Body Says No. And uh, lesser known for whatever reason. And 
he talks about it in the book that it was harder for people to hear mm-hmm. that uh, he connected breast cancer to anger. I remember in the book, and very interesting. He talks about um, ALS, right, where the body shuts down, and that's where the title came from. When the body says no, so he called um, ALS, which ALS is also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. Do you know who Lou Gehrig is? Yeah, baseball player. So he was famous for um, up until maybe 20 years ago, he had the longest streak of consecutive games without missing missing a game. And eventually this guy, Cal Ripken, uh, broke that record. But Lou Gehrig held that record for a bunch of years where he simply would not opt out of any game. He wouldn't stay out for any injury. And Gabor Mate points out that it wasn't because he wasn't injured. It was just because he couldn't say no. Mm-hmm. He, could, <laughs> he couldn't say no to going in the game. So right. Lou Gehrig had Lou Gehrig's disease. The ALS was connected to him being the player with the most consecutive games played without a break. And eventually his body said, if you don't say no, I'm going to say no. Mm. And I think in it he calls ALS like a, a nice guy's disease. People who just are saying yes to everything, eventually the body goes, shuts down. He brings, um, what's his name as an example? Um, who's the guy who wrote a bunch of books, a scientist with his eyes who has ALS? Oh, um, ugh, the name is on the tip of my tongue. Stephen Hawking. Yeah, Hawking. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe nice guy is not the right word. It's more about the the, the productivity of it. Like mm-hmm. here's a guy who has every reason in the world not to continue researching, continue studying, continue teaching, continue learning. And there he is giving lectures with his eyes, mm-hmm. writing books with his eyes. So he, he connected the two, but for whatever reason that mm-hmm. work is... Uh, is lesser uh, lesser known. I guess it's at first maybe it's a harder pill to swallow, but it's also a much more empowering pill to swallow. Exactly. Yeah, I can do something about it. My hands are not in the hands of my my health is not in the hands of you know someone else completely. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, this work has been the most empowering experience of my life, and um, and even like what you said about the nice guys disease coming back to the nervous system. That's the fond state of the nervous system where, you know, the nervous system modes you go into either freeze, uh, sorry, fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. Fawning is the people-pleasing, the nice guy, all that stuff. So that was his uh, default nervous system reaction. And, and, you know, it eventually evolves. Eventually evolves into a disease. And yeah. In many cases. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I hear it. It certainly makes sense. I mean, you talk about everything being connected. The uh, One of the uh, Chabad Rebbe's said, if there is a small hole in your body, there's a big hole in your spirit. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and that's totally true. Because even just when you learn about the energy body, because we have our energy body lives like up to like six to eight feet outside of us. And if you know, if you've been on plant um, plant medicine journeys, you probably may have seen them, uh, people's energy bodies, because usually that can happen on plant medicine. Um, but we all have different kinds of like ridges and holes. And that's how, you know, other people's stuff gets like passed on to us. And it's up to us to create kind of that energetic boundary for ourselves so that we're not absorbing other people's stuff. It's interesting that you say that because on the um, ayahuasca journey I did where 
I came in. This one was just terrible, terrible, terrible headache. Just what was worse, it was I wasn't feeling well at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just said, okay, let me try it again. I mean, it's not, nothing else is working. Yeah. And it was similar with the fatigue and lethargy and a terrible headache. And an hour, hour and a half in, I forgot completely that it, uh, that it existed, that it was there. And I came out of it. I was, I was fine. But uh, what, it, what I understood from that journey was that a lot of this work that I've been doing that has me talking to a lot of people and hearing a lot of different struggles and their stories, like something happens with each, each one of those at the end of an interaction where I'm hearing, you know, a, a very difficult story of sexual abuse, I'm in a different mode than if someone told me he had a great day and, you know, we're speaking right. about, uh, I don't know, some vacation. Mm-hmm. It's a very, something different happens. And how not doing anything to process that mm-hmm. had made me sick and will continue to if I don't, if I don't learn how to do certain things so as not to, uh, to, to take on, exactly. to take on too much. So what, what have you learned about, um, about that? I'm curious, just in terms of, you had mentioned after the breathwork journey, you took on a lot of other people's stuff. And then over the next week you've. Yeah. So I learned, um, it was a process. I learned, a, I start, that's like right after that breathwork journey was when I bought all these books about getting into like the science of the energy body and how it works. Um, and just that I learned about, we have, you know, we have like different ridges and holes that were put there throughout our life because of different, you know, just the way we're raised and all the things that get sent to our subconscious mind. Um, and we have the power to, to close those holes up. One way is through breath work and which was actually one of the things I got from my plant medicine journey. I was able to see how the breath is the vehicle for energy throughout your body that we use the breath to move it um and so you know even with our in our own bodies we have like this this chakra system which is the energy centers and they our energies our own energies can be totally unbalanced so we can use our breath to balance those energies move them throughout our whole body and um and when it comes to holding other people's energies, you have to, it takes a lot of practice to get to the point of having the awareness of what's mine and what's others. You know, there was definitely most of my life I had no idea I was carrying other people's stuff. Even, um, even in my first plant medicine journey, I realized I was carrying the energy of like an ex-boyfriend from years ago, which I didn't even think about for years, and his wife and his kids who I don't know who they are. But like, how how would you explain that to someone in layman's terms? Meaning, without yeah, you're saying your whole life you'd understand it without knowing what you now know, mm-hmm. without your experiences that you've had. Is there a way you can think of explaining that to someone who hasn't had these experiences? Yeah, what does it mean so, you're carrying your ex boyfriend's energy and his <laughs> wife and family? And it means that about? well, through definitely sexual encounters that is a way to transfer energy into somebody else's body so which is like it's funny like in the jewish world you know we're not supposed to touch before marriage and all those things and that's actually very much protecting people because you do literally have a um an exchange an energy exchange um so 
we have to do the work to remove that. So, and that looks like a combination of, you know, different exercises, but again, it comes down to really having the awareness. And I mean, the way I, I have to like bring it back to the basics of just energy that emotions, emotions are energy in motion. Energy is always moving. Um, and we live, everything is made out of energy. There's not anything that's not energy. And we live in a plane of frequencies, meaning like when you turn on the radio, it's you're getting that station because you're tuning it to the frequency where that music is playing. Um, and you are, it's coming to the receiver. So we technically are all receivers. Like people talk all about the law of attraction, how you attract things, you attract the energy that you are, but you're not, it's, it really should be called the law of receiving because you're not, it's not that you're attracting, it's you're receiving because you're not going to pick up anything that you're not an actual receiver for. Um, so yeah, I feel like there's, it's hard to fully describe in layman's terms because there's so much study of this and like going back to the basics, but I really highly recommend for anyone who's interested in learning these things to really read all the books, Dr. Joe Dispenza, Dr. Bruce Lipton, they, um, they really explain it in a beautiful way. I feel like it has to be explained in a book because there's so much to it. It's not something I could really give like a one, two, three on. Right. Understood. Did we not touch on anything that we should? Um, I don't know. Was there something, I asked the question differently, was, it, was there something else that you wanted to speak about or you thought maybe would be helpful to speak about that I haven't asked about. Right. Yeah. I guess I did want to share this story of like... You may want to get the mic just oh, more sorry. in front of you. You can move the mic. You don't have to move oh, yourself. No, I'm good. I'm comfortable. Thank you. Um, yeah. This story of how I eventually led to telling my dad because to me this... For me, that was like I thought I had already done the hardest things I've ever done, which was you know, facing having this natural birth and facing the pain of, um, of my abuse. And I didn't realize that my actual greatest fear would be opening up to him about it um, because I never considered doing it. I was afraid of he's in bad health and I was afraid of really like it making him worse. Also, he has an amazing relationship with his father. I was afraid he wouldn't believe me. All these, you know, all these different fears came up. Um, and I did this plant medicine journey a few weeks ago that just, it, it showed me how I needed to, to be open about it, that the key to just freedom in life is being authentic. And I had this whole conversation with a friend of mine who's brilliant. Her name is Kathy Heller. She has a podcast. A lot of people know who she is. But I, I had talked to her before for some advice because she's someone that talks openly like you about all of her stuff. And so... I talk openly about some, some of my stuff. Only Yeah, just some. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but she's a very close friend of mine. And I knew that like she would have, you know, like medicine for me here and I reached out to her and I'm like how do you you know just talk about these things and she gave me this whole beautiful speech about authenticity and how 
you know, if you want to live in alignment in life and you just want the things that you want to come to you, the you have to live as your authentic self. And the price of having a relationship with you and you being in your authenticity, like this is just the price to pay. And um, really, it was also just a lot of coming to terms with um, just being open about these things, like outing, I guess, outing the abuser, you know, like there's, I, like I said, I felt the need to protect my family members and all these things and just having this realization of how this is not my responsibility. And it still honestly makes me nauseous when I think about it. It's like so scary to talk about, but I know that it's so important and I needed to, there, there was more to it. I, I realized also I was kind of avoiding my dad because I was scared of him bringing him up and I'm like, okay, this is ruining our relationship anyway. So may as well just be open about it and see where it goes. But it was, I really came to this point of like, wow, I'm risking this miraculous relationship we grew. I'm willing to let it all go if that's where it's going to go in order to be able to just be my authentic self and be able to own that. Like, this is what happened to me. And, um, and I went for it and I'm totally heartbroken for him because he has to process it, but he also just had the most beautiful, (laughs) supportive, amazing response. And actually there was a wild energetic component to this because as, um, after I sent him, I sent him a voice note telling him the whole thing. And I right away texted my, um, somatic reparenting method facilitator training group. I like sent them the message and, I'm like, just, I'm like, maybe you guys could send him some Reiki, like he's going through it right now, you know, like whatever we can do to support him. And, uh, cause we do that for each other yeah. all the time. Um, and, and then it just hit me. I'm like, right, send him Reiki. And I right away just started doing distant Reiki on him. And I could feel this like mountain of something. And I couldn't like, when I extract energy, it's like, this interesting, it's whatever I feel, you know, move my hands in a way. And then then it's kind of this like gripping of energy. And then I like yank it out and get rid of it. Um, And I couldn't grip anything because it was too big. And um, also before this on the plant medicine journey, I realized that I had, um, like I mentioned about how energies can be transferred through sexual activity So I realized that I had a dark entity inside of me from my grandfather that was stuck there. And I was trying to do all the somatic stuff to get it out. I didn't really feel like I got got it out, even though I literally exerted myself, like doing all the different somatic stuff, punching a pillow, screaming, crying, like everything, trying everything I could to get it out. It didn't really come out. But anyways, later I'm doing this Reiki session on my father and I'm finally able to extract this thing and the only way I was able to do it was by like getting my hands under and like yanking it out it felt like I was carrying a grown man that's what it felt like and I was outside in my backyard when I did this and we have a lake in our backyard and I made this I usually make like a or like a sound when I yank something out and the sound didn't even feel big in my body, but it like echoed across the entire lake and birds flew away and I immediately collapsed backwards. Like I felt something fly out of me. And I realized in that moment that when I pulled whatever it was I pulled out of him, it pulled that dark entity out of me too. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I was just, I mean, my husband was with me holding space for me and he was saying like, 
you know, you exerted yourself like crazy before with that thing and you were like fine after. And then you like did this and you collapsed and you were finished. And it like, I couldn't, I just had to breathe after. I couldn't speak. I couldn't move. I was just like, <sighs> and, um, and yeah, so that was just another testament to how we can all be carrying these energies that are not even ours. And Reiki is another beautiful way to help people extract energies out of them. We can't, we really can't always do this stuff on our own and we need to do this healing in co-regulation with other people. So, and, and even that, like I couldn't heal myself without healing him first. You know, it's like I couldn't get the entity out of me without taking it out of him, which I can't tell you how all of that works because it's very mystical and I'm not so sure. <laughs> I just feel these things. But um, yeah, it was just miraculous. And, and yeah, and he just came back to me completely supportive, asking questions, trying to understand and yeah. Awesome. God. So plant medicines is, uh, this is new, this territory for you to explore. Mm-hmm. In this you described, capacity, yeah. You described two experiences. That's Those have been your um, plant medicine mm-hmm. experiences. Fascinating. Yeah. Plant medicine is, I mean, it's incredible what it can do. The kinds Which of, ones have you worked with? I, oh, I did um, psilocybin and sassafras. But I prefer to only do psilocybin. I've learned. Right. In yeah. terms of plant medicine itself, the term. Yeah. Um, the, the term itself is more referring to natural medicines. The sassafras or whatever that is is not. Right. I mean, yeah, more. that's the plant. I've worked with it. MD- yeah. Oh, it's a plant version of the MDMA, but what's yeah. actually being offered is not plant medicine. Oh, right. I it's, hear you. It's, it's not, not a, like It's not a pure plant. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I it's hear It's not you. like a mushroom that's grown in here. Eat a mushroom. Mm, okay. There's some other... I'm not sure exactly what it is, but there's some other... Concoction. Yeah, that makes sense because of... Yeah, I... It's it's like a not fun come down after. It's t- it takes a big toll on my body and the psilocybin is like way easier. I know. Easier. That's, what, that's what's interesting. I've, I've worked with those a few times and I've stopped for that reason. It mm. feels like the journey itself is more gentle mm-hmm. and afterwards it's much more brutal. Yeah usually some sort of depression that feels like it sets on or something with me. And whereas right. the natural medicines, ayahuasca or psilocybin, have a much more intense experience during it, mm-hmm. but afterwards I feel great. That's it doesn't amazing. Have the, uh, it doesn't have that after effect, mm-hmm. right? Oh, it's, very, um, it's very powerful tools. Yeah. It's very powerful tools. I don't know where I'd be if I didn't, uh, I didn't find those. Yeah. You listen to you. You said you listen sometimes to the uh... right. So I wanted to tell you that I discovered your podcast sometime within the last year after being on this journey. So I actually discovered it first through the YouTube video you did with Rabbi YY, the taboos. Oh, the tackling taboos. I watched those too. Those were so deeply healing for me on my journey. So validating in so many ways because also there's so many aspects that it's so hard for us to like believe and be like, did this really happen? Am I making this up? Right. You know, you question yourself. And then he just confirmed so many different things from a Torah spiritual perspective, like about how the soul leaves the body. You know, like even like I have the memories now. So like it's, I'm not like, "Mm, I wonder if it happened. I know it happened. I've, saw it now but um 
but even when I did that first session and she, she brought me into those memories and she said to me, the reason you don't remember is because as soon as he touched your knee, your soul left your body because it knew exactly what was about to happen. And he said, when we dissociate, the soul leaves the body. And I was like, wow. <laughs> and it was just the most validating thing because that was very hard. Even though I'm totally, I get these things because I'm so in tune with energy, it's still hard to believe because it's obvious it's just such a huge thing you know so having that validation was incredible and then I got hooked on your podcast and it's just been endless um support for me ever since and you did also really help me prepare for the plant medicine journeys oh, is that right yeah I mean it started like coming to me you know like when you're ready to do it it calls you and you start hearing about it everywhere and it's just and I literally got invited to this journey and I even told my friend when she invited me I'm like oh I can't really afford it right now she's like I can sponsor you I'm like this is meant to be <laughs> so um so yeah it's um I, I lost my train of thought now where I was you, going with that you were talking about how um the podcast helped you prepare for the plant medicine right journeys. yeah so that was one of the things that i'm like constantly hearing about it and and yeah it just it really you helped prepare me for it that like i felt like i knew what i was getting into because i was super scared at first um you know i had done these things recreationally when i was like 19 so of course not knowing anything i like you know went too hard and i was like scared of like it's gonna take over it's gonna be this huge intense thing and i was nervous for that um, but it ended up just being... And they could be, but with a good facilitator, they'll usually right. help you learn I had the, the most amazing facilitator, and she eases you into it. She gives you this, a little bit at first, so that it's... And we did a whole meditation as it's hitting our bodies, and it was just like the most beautiful entrance into the whole thing, and everything about it was just incredible the realizations you have the changes I was able to make in my life like things that I, you, I had no idea I was carrying or cared about my whole life it was just incredible yeah it's pretty incredible yeah but the work never ends there no. was a lot of stuff that um you spoke about that brought up some things in me so mm. um definitely more work to do yeah all of us <laughs> yeah. it doesn't end that's you know I tell everybody like it's we're like an onion, you know, like they say in Shrek. People are like onions. It's like you have whatever is ready to come up and be healed is the top layer. And it's like it could be the same layer of one specific trauma. And like you heal that and you're like, oh, I feel so good now. And then like you get down to the next layer and you're like, oh, there's more. <laughs> but and I mean, that's just the process. And I feel like if we didn't have what to heal in our lives, like what is what is life really without these like profound beautiful healing moments and these medicinal connections we get to have with other people through all these healing experiences. Like I, anyone who is in this world of healing can tell you, you know, and I'm sure you can attest to this also that like you start with one thing and it leads you to the next and the next and the next. And you just keep having these wild, beautiful experiences and connections with people. And it just makes your life so meaningful and fulfilling and you find your purpose in it all because your purpose is hiding in the pain it often is yes mm -hmm. yes i'm not sure there would be much justification to for a compassionate god to put us through this level of pain without there being a deep purpose in it exactly and deep growth as well i found like there's go back and forth on it but like which is more important but i've it's kind of both that when we go through deep pain I think we need 
We need to find personal meaning mm-hmm. and we need to find a purpose that serves the world, right. both. And if it was one or the other, if it just helped others and didn't help us, then it would feel empty. And if it just helped us and didn't help the world, it would also feel empty. It kind of requires both yeah, in some way. And I guess they go, eventually they kind of intertwine and go hand in hand. Yeah, I've, but it is a cool yeah. process. None of this, nothing that's happening here would have happened without medicines for sure. Right, yeah. I, I mean, I believe wholeheartedly from my own experience and from what I get to witness with so many other people that you do end up finding your purpose in the pain. Like it, it's there always. And it's just a matter of getting to it, of peeling back all those layers and, and being fully devoted to yourself. That's what it takes. You have to have that full devotion to yourself to, I f- you know, it really all comes back down to like self-love falling back in love with yourself. You're only going to give the best to yourself if you love yourself fully, and you can only give love to others as much as you love yourself. What do you mean by uh, by that falling back in love with yourself? Because, you know, when we go through trauma, in order to survive, we abandon ourselves. We abandon parts of ourselves, and it's not even a conscious thing. Um, one of my friends, who also is a brilliant healer, described it in this way that if you imagine like the timeline of your life and you're walking along and a trauma pops up and there's like this glass wall that pops up in front of you and you can move through the glass wall and continue living your life, but that part of you at that age is stuck there behind that wall. So you have to, and so those parts of ourselves have been abandoned. Those are the inner child parts that we go back to and they're like, don't wanna look at you at first. They're like, you left me here. <laughs> You don't love me. You don't see me. And we have to go back to them and show them, I hear you. I see you. I love you. And that, it cultivates this self-love. And I feel like I'm also speaking on the self-love thing because I see the common denominator of just everyone who is, you know, on this healing path of who has gone through trauma, they have that major lack of self-love and they have all of this negative self-talk that's like the number one problem I see everybody has and like that's the one one of the first things you have to work on is becoming aware of the way you speak to yourself you know do you like mess up I definitely see it with women much more than men women for sure really beat the shit out of themselves a lot right we say oh I'm so stupid I'm such an idiot why did I do that like that's how they (laughs) we talk to ourselves like a hundred times a day regularly without even realizing it not that as men we can't be hard on ourselves but women seem to do it better right yeah (laughs) for sure Um, Well, we're way more emotional, (laughs) but yeah. um, So yeah, it's like, it's really such for women for sure. Cause I work with mostly women. It's all of this is a journey back to self really, which takes self-love to come back to yourself. Awesome. I'm glad you, uh, you joined. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Got from behind the camera onto the... Are you going to watch your own episode? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay, some people have a hard time with that. Oh, no. <laughs> that, let me just say humbly, that shows you where you need to heal. Should be able to watch yourself and love yourself. Why can't you look at yourself? You know, there's something, there's a piece missing in the self-love. Well, thanks again. Thank I'm you. sure a lot of people will benefit a lot from this. And Thank you. I got a lot. I woke up some things inside me that uh, maybe I'll do a session myself. Oh, wow. Thank you. That Thank means you so a much. lot. <laughs>